0: So, right, hey, uh, I think that at this time we're going to be dismissing uh, any of those kiddos that are in the nursery from infant through three years old or something like that. They'll give you better directions when you get out there. I always mess that up. And then the, uh, also youth church or kids church is going on, and that's uh, kindergarten through fourth, third, third grade, third grade, fourth grade, fourth, four, four years, fourth grade, four years old through fourth grade. And so... Uh, Anyway, those of us that are older than uh, fourth grade, uh, they'll help you back there. And the rest of us, we get to listen to Steve, (laughs) whether you want to or not. And so just thank you for not leaving right now because that's embarrassing to me when that happens. There goes Chris. All right. So, yeah, who? Hey, last week, last week. um, Next picture here. Nathan, if you're back there doing that. Uh, Some of you guys were here last week and you remember this deal. And uh, we said that there is a community that is outside of the church, right? And uh, those were people that uh, kind of laughed at Jesus. Uh, they were out there and uh, they uh, they were interested in Jesus. And um, uh, they were out there and uh, they're out there today, right? Outside in our community, those people exist uh, as well. And um, then we said, but there was another group of people uh, that was uh, kind of the crowd and they were the ones that, uh, they were kind of wondering, you know, well we know Jesus is somebody important but we're not really sure who he is and so uh, they were interested but not quite sure, right? And those people are still around today. and. And uh, maybe, you know, you fit that category there. And then there were those who were committed. Uh, They were the people that would follow Jesus around. They wanted to be uh, close enough. But then Jesus had this core, this inner group that was really, really tight with him. And he would pray with them regularly and meet with them regularly. Uh, But Jesus, Jesus, the cross there, Jesus is always at the center. And we put these pictures up here and we said, uh, this is an illustration of the church. And um, uh, we said that uh, in the back back there, guys, the next picture. And um, uh, we put these up there and we said that this is the illustration of the church. Uh, the church is kind of cinching, cinching. And so it's pulling people from the community and within the church all together towards Christ. It's kind of a zip tie. You put around you, click, 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 in you or a ratchet strap. And that's the church is reaching people and drawing them in towards Jesus. That's, that's the illustration of the church. And if you weren't here last week, I'm sure right now what you're thinking is, Oh, that's a really good illustration. Yeah, yeah, right? Right, yeah, that's what you're thinking. And whether you're thinking that or not, that's what you should be thinking. Anyway, and um, and so we were talking about Christian fellowship. in the church, the church is to come together and fellowship together in a way that we would draw people in towards Jesus. We said this about fellowship. Healthy Christian fellowship, it helps us. And we said healthy Christian fellowship uh, it's accountability for us and healthy Christian fellowship is also a testimony because, uh, there's people that might want to laugh at Jesus and they're out there. But when we're living in full faith and they see Jesus in us, uh, they might, uh, helps our, they might be attracted to Jesus, not us. And that we said healthy fellowship is also our responsibility. And so you and I are to try and work together to hold each other accountable to be more like Jesus as we reach out to the community and draw people in. Now listen, Uh, you might recall that at the very beginning of last week, uh, we were looking at Luke chapter 8, there at the begin, at the very end of it, and there was a guy named Jarius that uh, wanted Jesus to heal, uh, his old 12-year-old daughter, and then, and then we jumped into Luke chapter 9, we jumped to Luke chapter 9, and at the beginning of Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out the 12, remember, into the community. He went to the 12 disciples, said, I want you guys to go out into the community and tell people about the kingdom of heaven. Well, now we're going to jump in to look at what takes place in Luke chapter 10, right at the beginning. Luke uh, uh, tells us that Jesus doesn't send out the 12, but apparently it's working. They went out, they told people, they're drawing people to Jesus. So then in Luke chapter 10, we see after this, these things that took place that we looked at last week, it says, uh, after this, uh, the Lord appointed 72 others, not The 12 plus X makes, not the 60 plus the 12 makes 72, but Jesus sent out 72 others, and he sent them out two by two. Don't go it alone. Go two by two ahead of him uh, to every town and place uh, where he was about uh, to go. And so Jesus sends... The, the group has grown. Remember there was that core, but the core and the committed, the, it's growing. And there's more people that are getting more connected to Jesus. It's, it's growing. And he sends them out into the community, village to village. And, uh, and he says, and now when you get there, when you get there, this is what I want you to know when you arrive, verse 8, he says, and when you enter a town and they welcome, and are welcomed, he says, eat what is offered to you. And so... I don't know the home that you grew up in, but I grew up in kind of a home that uh, was it was pretty clear that um, you know you you know, you know the old thing right you don't uh, drink or smoke or chew and you don't go with girls that do right I said that meant right and well, you heard you've heard that before right and and so you know you, you don't ever you don't ever tell off color jokes you don't ever use any cuss words and uh, you know. Uh, uh, your lips are to remain clean, right? You never drink alcohol, and uh, you know. And so it was kind of some of us. Some of us kind of grew up in that uh, really kind of tight environment, and that's the way we were taught. That's the way that you reflect uh, your your Christianity is by you. You never do anything wrong, and so I've got that covered, right? And. Um, <laughs> No, you know, but that's kind of the impression that you get is like there's this little box and as long as you live inside that box, then Jesus loves you, right? But what does Jesus tell these guys when they go out into the community? Eat whatever they give you. And so if you go in, you go into, you know, and you go into their house and they open up the refrigerator and things full of beer and there's a carton of cigarettes on top, don't let that become the obstacle that gets in between you and them. If they offer you a glass of wine, uh, we all know that Jesus couldn't turn the water into wine. He had to just leave it water, right? No, Jesus turned the water into... And so there's this idea that as Christians, we kind of get this idea. And Jesus says, if they offer you, you, don't let that get in the way. Don't push that stuff to the side. Because if they are interested in me, then tell them about me. Don't let that other stuff get in the way. But there, and that goes with the warning. Listen to this. Verse 10, he says, "But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets, just go ahead and be public about it. and say, "Even the dust, your town even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you." He's saying, you, there's something we want you to know. God has a son." His son died on the cross for you. He loves you. He is interesting. He had to watch his son die on a cross for you. He is very interested in you. He cares about you. He loves you. And when you reject that, God takes no. And God is offended by you rejecting him. God God did, did was fantastic. So, verse 16 says, Whoever listens to you, is really listening to me, Jesus communicated to them. Whoever rejects you, really they're just rejecting me, he says. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. That's God the Father. He says, when you go out there, there's something you need to be very, very clear on. Go out into the communi- community, but you're telling people about Jesus Christ. Because He is our Savior. God created us to never stand alone, but to be together. That's why He sent out two by two when they go out and they tell people about Jesus. Write this down in your bulletin. We were created to be connected. We were created to be connected. Uh, some people would call this generation maybe the greatest connected generation ever. I mean, um, you know, we've got uh, social media. We're connected that way. and. Uh, some of us have attended meetings on, uh, you know, Zoom or whatever, and uh, you, maybe you uh, do Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook with uh, your family or whatever, or you do FaceTime and you're connected that way to your your family, and, and so some people say we're the greatest uh, connected generation that's ever been, but really I think what we what we are is a uh, maybe a, the most disillusioned, <laughs> um, because all of that social media and those things that help us to connect with other people, really I believe they give us an illusion of connectedness to people. How many of you heard, you know, the stories about uh, people attending their Zoom meetings, right, and they got their, their, their tie on but they're sitting there in their boxers, right? And that's really, the, and so, you know, you Zoom that camera out and it's like, oh, this really isn't the person I thought it was, right? And uh, you hear those stories. And, and so, uh, when it comes to social media, you know, I can, I can take uh, pictures, Photoshop pictures of me and I can, you know, make me look like Tom Cruise. And, you know, you guys are saying, oh, well, you know, this, I guess you really don't look like him, do you? You know, and, um, but you you know what I'm saying? And when it comes to social media, we can project. You know, oh, all of the vacations I go on, everything is wonderful. And, and my kids are perfect. And uh, you can project those kind of things out through social media. And you can present any kind of a lie that you would like to present. And so are we really connected? Do we really know people and their heart? Are we connected uh, to them that way when it comes to being connected to people? But we were created to be connected. Connected. Listen to this. Biblical fellowship, biblical fellowship, I'm supposed to be connected to you and you're supposed to be connected to me. We're supposed to know each other, be interested in one another, we're supposed to love one another. And so when it comes to biblical fellowship, it is to have an element of it. Listen to this. It's horizontal, it goes out this way. Biblical fellowship is horizontal. It goes out from me to you and you to me, but it is also. Vertical. It's supposed to be Christ centered. Christ centered. Write that down. Fellowship (coughs) Fellowship is horizontal and vertical. Horizontal with others and vertical with God. A clear example of that. When the church got started in the book of Acts and the church is first for the first time kind of getting together. Acts chapter two, we read they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. That would be what we call scripture today. And to the fellowship that was one another to breaking of bread, so that meant they were having dinner together and you know inviting each other out for dinner. But they were also what they were also doing is they were literally breaking bread in the form of communion together. When they got together, they would commune together. They would pray, so it's them praying together. Who are they talking to? God. And so it's uh, it's vertical, it's horizontal, and the the believers uh, were together and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. It was clearly horizontal. And vertical, the Christian fellowship was. It was with others. And the Bible says that there are two groups that we are to have Christian fellowship with. Write that down. Two groups that we are to have Christian fellowship with. First group that we are to have Christian fellowship is with believers. Believers. People, our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The first people that we are to have Christian fellowship with is a people that are committed to Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Acts is all about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and, and to the breaking of bread and the prayer. That's what we just read. And then Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interest but also to the interests of others. That's why we should attend Bible study on Wednesday night. We come... To better connect with our brothers and sisters, to laugh with them and to get to know them, to hear the, the struggles that they are having, that we would get into the scripture and the word together—that's what that is all about. Connecting with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we attend church. That's why we invite our Christian brothers and sisters uh, out to lunch. We should go out to lunch today. Someone should buy me lunch today. And so we should, and, um, and that's why we volunteer. That's why we volunteer at church. That's why I'll buy you lunch. That's why we volunteer at church. So that we can come together and we can be a part of the gospel mission that the church does. That's why we do those things. We are to communicate and we are to have fellowship horizontally with other believers. But listen, there's another group that we are also supposed to have Christian fellowship with. And that is not yet believers. With not yet believers. They are our neighbors. They are the ones that when Jesus went to the twelve and said, go into the villages and into the community, go out and talk to them. When Jesus rounded up the, uh, the seventy-two and said, go out ahead of me, that's who he was sending them out to. Not, not the core, and uh, not, hey you disciples, keep discipling one another and keep this thing really tight because the church, at that, by that definition, should have remained uh, the twelve disciples that became the twelve apostles and they died and it was over, Right? But that's not what was ever intended. It was always intended uh, that people are fortified in their faith, yet they go out and tell other people about Jesus, and it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. However, it comes with a warning. But listen to this. That's why Jesus said, that's why Jesus said, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out and make disciples. That's what Jesus is talking about, but it comes with a warning. Because uh, Scripture also says, 2 Corinthians, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Wait, didn't he just say be? Comes with warning. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? First Corinthians, Paul tells us, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. He sent the 12 and he sent the 72 out into the community, but don't be yoked to the community. What's the yoke? We've covered this before. The yoke is the big wooden beam that has the hoop that goes through it. They put the ox into it and the ox pull the plow in the same direction. Being unequally yoked or being uh, yoked with somebody that is an unbeliever uh, means uh, you're going this way, uh, they're locked in going this way, and you just go round and round you don't get anywhere. There's a warning. There's a caution. I am sending you out into the world, but don't let that world get in you. You go to them. If they don't want to have anything to do with you, dust off your shoes and keep on a moving. Jesus said in Matthew 11, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Well, how do we put these things together? How do we put these things together? As a Christian, our life is to look different because of Christ. Think about it. As a Christian, my life is to look different than someone that is not a Christian because of Christ. We Christians are supposed to have a fellowship with God that is fulfilling. Fulfilling. Our lives are to be fulfilled, content, joyous, simply because of Christ. And that's it. Just Christ is to be our fulfillment. But we are all tempted because the world is tempting. We are tempted to pursue pleasure and sex and wealth and power. We're tempted to find contentment in, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever kind of thing that, you know, overeating, you know, whatever it comes to. All of the things that we look to to find fulfillment and to kind of create a kind of a brain fog, so that we give ourselves the illusion of being content. But what we are to find fulfillment in is simply Jesus. Here's the problem. Everything that man attempts to restore that missing something in his life is unfulfilling. Everything that we look to to fulfill that missing something in our life is not fulfilling. Otherwise, the richest, most powerful people would always be happy, right? We've talked about that before. But we know that the richest, most powerful people, uh, they've got big, ugly messes in their life too. There's no fulfillment in those things. And so we are to pursue and put at the center of who we are, Christ, and nothing else. Christ. We as Christians are called to help people that don't know Jesus to find Jesus as we stay connected to Jesus. Write this down. God wants His church to be connected to Him and others. God wants His church to be connected to Him and others. <clears throat> My wife and I uh, had the opportunity a year ago, January, uh, we went down to um, the Mexican uh, uh, Caribbean down there The um, uh, and uh, went on vacation. We went to this all-inclusive. And uh, we were down there for a week, and, and it was stunningly beautiful, and the, uh, the ocean was crystal clear, and it was fantastic. It was great to be on vacation down there. And one of the things that we had opportunity to do while we were down there on vacation was um, we got to go snorkeling. And uh, so you, there was a group of us that went out, on probably 30, 40 people to get on this boat. And everybody's got their, you know, mask and snorkel and their fins. And they took us out into the ocean about 45 minutes. And there's this reef out there. And uh, when we got out there, uh, they, they stopped the boat. And, and then they said, okay, everybody, you know, today, uh, uh, this time of year, they said the currents are really, really strong in this area. They come up over this uh, reef. And they, they're just really, really strong. And so, everybody, what we want you to do is uh, keep your eye on Frankie. Uh-huh. You know, and we look over, and, and here's Frankie. Frankie was one of the guides, and he's got this big uh, wreath, uh, a uh, life raft. What do they call that? A ring? Life ring. Life ring. He's got a life ring, right? And it's painted red, and then he kind of flips it up like this, and it's got this big pole on it, and there's a flag on top of it. And they said, okay, currents are going to be strong. And so, what you guys are all going to get in the water, he says, you're going to be looking down at every Everything that's down there. And it says, but you want to keep your eye on Frankie. Everybody kind of stay close to Frankie. And so, you know, Frankie gets in the water, and he swims out there a little bit and, and we all jump in and, and, we're, and we're looking down. And it's, it's stunning, right? It's this coral reef down there. It's coral. Got to see one of them there, electric eels, right? And uh, I don't know if it was electric or not, but it was there and looking at me and it was ugly. And, um, and there were all these big fish down there, and all the corals kind of waving around. And, and all of a sudden, you, uh, you, you're looking around, and you're just looking down. And you kind of poke your head back up out of the water and tread water. And say, like, where's Frankie? You know, And everybody, everybody was just dispersed all over the place. And the boat, you had to squint to see the boat. And because the current was just, and I was like, okay, they meant keep an eye on Frankie, didn't they? And so you put your head back and you kind of, Frankie's over there. And so what you learned is that the whole time you were in the water, you your feet, the whole time you are in the water, you just had to keep your feet moving, heading towards Frankie. Because if you weren't moving towards Frankie, the current was just taking you away. from But there's so many things, oh, so beautiful. You'd look down, where's Frankie, where's Frankie? Right? And look back down and... That's our job in the church. Church, there's a drift and a current and a culture that is relentlessly pulling us away from Jesus. When we were on the boat, they were yelling from the boat, keep your eye on Frankie. Look for Frankie. Keep your eye on Frankie. I think that's what we're to do as a church. You got your eye on Jesus? Keep looking for Jesus. Keep your eye on Jesus. You're drifting. Keep your eye on Jesus. There's a translation of the Bible called The Message. And in Ephesians 2.19, in the message translation of the Bible, commentary of the Bible, it says, you're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. But there's a drift. How do we fight against the drift? How do we fight against the drift of our culture? We can come to church and say God is good and we love a Jesus, but, and we leave here, and in social media we can make it look like our life is all together, but in reality there's this constant current that's pulling us away from being where Jesus is. How do we fight the drift? Do this. Remember the faithfulness of God. Write that down. Remember the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you or abandon you. That's God. He says, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm for you. Come along with me. Yoke yourself up to me. Let's go. He doesn't leave. I've been in this uh, preacher occupation for Almost 30 years now. I know, it started when I was 8. and um, I, But uh, uh, every, every, I think every single sermon, that uh, every single funeral, every graveside service that I've ever done, I think I've read the 23rd Psalm. And that's when people are hurting and they're grieving and they're wondering if this is true. But it's true then and it's true right now. King David wrote it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. That's what God says. All the time. In the drift. No matter what. No matter how your world's coming down on you, if you feel like all is good, if you feel like all is hard, God is with you. Remember the faithfulness of God. How do you fight the drift? How do you keep kicking towards Christ? Rely on God's people. That's us. We're here. We should be able to rely on each other to help us draw near Christ. Bible says, love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. That's why we attend Bible study on Wednesday night. You're invited. You know what? That's why we attend church. If church, you want it to be more exciting, I can tell you exactly how to make church more exciting. Invite somebody to come with you next week. You will attend church in a whole different way than you do today if you have somebody that you bring with you to church. It happens that way. Rely on God's people and resist self centeredness. We are natural pleasure seekers. We like the path of least resistance, and we like those things that make us feel good. We like to get in the current and go with the flow. But Jesus says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You know what that means? (laughs) You got to keep kicking. You got to keep kicking. You get it? in the boat together and you keep your eye on Jesus together and we can go off into the community and we can love people that don't know Jesus. We can love them with all of our heart. We can love them. But we encourage them and we invite them to know Jesus who is our King and our God and our Lord. You know, Jesus asked Adam and Eve a question um, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And uh, God created the Garden for them. He created everything. Ultimately, He created everything for Adam and Eve. Because they were the only people in the entire universe when God created that for them. Stunningly beautiful. Fantastic. Wonderful. God would go and meet with Adam and Eve in the Garden. The Bible says he go walk with them in the cool of the day. And they complete and total fellowship and closeness to God. No sin. No harm. Nothing hindering them. Just a perfect relationship. A heaven-like relationship. Just God and the people that He loved. Well, we know the story. They were in the garden. The devil lied to him. The devil said, You know, there are things that God does not want you to know. And they're like, Huh. You know, the reason... God doesn't want you to know those things as, you know, he didn't trust you can handle that information. No, the reason God didn't want him to know those things is he didn't want them to know sin. But the enemy tempted them. They bit the forbidden fruit. And they went back to the garden and were there in the garden even after they sinned. And God kept looking for them. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. It says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid, this is the first time they had ever done it, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And God knew exactly why, in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? You can almost hear a longing in his voice. Where are you? I want to be connected to you. I want to restore that relationship. Have you been someplace that you weren't supposed to go? I know. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Are you out there in the community that just kind of laughs about Jesus? Are you in the crowd that's wondering more about Jesus? Are you part of the committed? Are you in the core? Is Christ your Savior? We're to help and encourage each other to live for Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that's a conversation that I'd like to have with you. I'd like to talk with you about being baptized into Christ. I'd like to talk with you about placing your membership in this church so that we can know that you're one of the people in the core that we can share our life with that is interested in us all growing together to be more like Jesus. I don't know what decisions God is calling you to make right now, but you know. Make those decisions on Jesus today. Let's close in prayer. Father, you love us more than we can comprehend. You are interested in us. Father, help us not to drift away but to connect with our brothers and sisters that are here and to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.